Patterson. Robbie? It always does that when I walk in. I don't know. <laughs> Keep this on Praise you God. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. Praise God. Now we got it. Amen. Thank you all for having us out. It's a blessing to be here. God is good. Amen. 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 Sister started off with, uh, she was sharing that verse about John being in prison and sending his disciples to ask Jesus. That's actually my ending verse. Somebody's always got a one-up you. You know how it is. God is good. But the, the point that I was going to be bringing out of that was, because remember, John the Baptist already had a revelation from the Father who Jesus Christ was. There he is, the Lamb of God that's sent to take away the sins of the whole world. He knew who he was. But whenever he was in jail, when he was in prison there, he also knew what the prophecies were. And what did Jesus, after they were there for about an hour, seeing the blind eyes opened up, the lame walk, the deaf ears now hear, and he really quoted the scripture, you go and tell John what you've seen and what you've heard. And then he quoted the scripture. But he left out a part. He left out and the captives would be set free. Where was John at? John was a captive sitting there. But what did Jesus add into that? But blessed is he that is not offended in me. And the, the, one of the main points that I was going to bring out of that was if you are focused on what God is not doing, if you're focused on what you're not receiving, you are not going to be able to keep your joy full. No matter if you have a revelation from Almighty God about who you are, if you have a revelation from God about who Jesus Christ is, but if you are focused only on what you don't have right now, you're going to feel a sense of lack. You're going to feel a sense of something's wrong. But on the other side of that, if you want your joy to remain full, if you want the peace of God to flood your heart, focus on what you have received from God. Focus on what, focus on what God is doing. And that, that's a lesson that all of us need to focus in on more, right? Yeah. So I'm just going to end there. Now we're not going to end there yet. But I want to ask you if you'll stand with me for a moment. You know, as followers of Jesus Christ, we have to, to more and more each day emphasize what he emphasized. Focus in on what he focuses in on. Whenever we read in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ, now he did it all without flaw. He did it perfectly. But what did he focus on? He focused on ministering to those who needed ministering. He focused on preaching, teaching, healing, and delivering. That's what he focused on. Preaching, teaching, healing, and delivering. There has to, there has to come a place in my life whenever I realize my faith is in him and what he's done. It's not my ministry it's the ministry of Jesus Christ, and I get to have a small part to play in it. You get to have a small part to play in it. But I can't go rogue and start doing my own thing. I have to keep the focus where he put it. 
So I want to start off with that today. If you're in here and you need healing mentally, emotionally, or physically, if you're in here and you need deliverance from something that is plaguing you, I want you to come to this understanding right now that you cannot earn the blessings of God. You cannot earn forgiveness of sins, healing, deliverance. Those things are not my idea, they're God's idea. They're not purchased through your good deeds. They are only purchased through the cross of Calvary. They are only purchased through the blood of Jesus Christ. We're not trying to convince God to save, to heal, to deliver. We're not in here trying to convince God, do it, God, just do it now. No, he's trying to convince us to receive it. And I want to ask you before I even get started in this message, to position your heart to receive from God. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we stand ready knowing that there's no good deed that we've done that earned your blessing. And we know that there's nothing that we've done so bad that the blood of Jesus Christ could not cover it. Father, we stand in faith receiving all that you provided in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We receive it, Lord. We receive it, Lord. Those who, who stand in need of healing, mentally, emotionally, or physically, we speak healing over them right now. Be healed in the name of Jesus. The position of your heart as we're praying this is, is healing has already been purchased for me. I receive it. If there's anyone under the sound of my voice who, who you feel the burden of sin and you know that you are in need of the Savior, you are in need of forgiveness of sin, the position of your heart should be, I know I can't earn it. I know I don't deserve it. I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord, and I believe in my heart that you have raised him from the dead, Father, and I receive that salvation. Thank you, Lord. I turn from anything that I would have put my confidence in, anything that I would have put my faith in, and I put all of my hope, all of my faith, all of my trust in Jesus Christ, and I receive your forgiveness. And I thank you for it, Lord. And Father, we are standing in faith, knowing that we have this privilege of being in this dark world at this appointed time to shine like lights for you. Thank you, God. Help us to see it as a privilege. And we stand ready to give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Praise God. You may be seated. God is good. I want to begin reading to you in Colossians. It's the letter of Paul. And at chapter 1 and verse 13, he's speaking of giving thanks to God the Father, who has made us fit to be partakers in salvation. In verse 13, he, he adds this in. He says, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Notice that he puts it all as past tense. 
He's writing to believers, to Christians, and he said that, that he's delivered us. He's already delivered us. He's already translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. The way the NIV reads that, chapter 1 and verse 13, for he has rescued us. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. The way the New Living says it, for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred, transferred us, and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. The Young's literal translation says it this way. He did, who did rescue us out of, and look at this word, the authority of the darkness. Do you see yourself that way? Do you see yourself as one rescued from the authority of darkness and then, and then placed, translated, transferred into a whole different kingdom? Who did rescue us out of the authority of darkness and then translate us into the reign of the son of his love? I want to read... Um, Matthew 6 and 33, I want to read it in the Passion and in the New Living. I'm going to, actually I'm going to read uh, Matthew 6, 31 through 33 in the Passion. So then, forsake your worries. Why do you say, what will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear? For that is what the unbelievers chase after. I can't tell you how many years I spent living like that unbeliever, chasing after those things out of ignorance. What you'll eat and what you'll drink and what we'll wear, for that is what the unbelievers chase after. Doesn't your heavenly Father already know the things your bodies require? Listen at the way he renders verse 33. So above all, constantly seek God's kingdom and his righteousness. How does the King, J King James say that? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And, and I've heard that, that people would, would place it on one line. We yeah, seek that first and then seek this second and then seek this third. And, and I can see how people can line it out that way. But, but the truest rendering of the verse is, that you seek primarily, everything else is a loss compared to this. Not just seek this first and then have one, two, three after it, but it means seek this to the exclusion of everything else. No matter what happens to everything else, I'm seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and the other stuff, the stuff that the world is working their fingers to the bone trying to get, the things that the unbelievers are trying their best and living their whole existence on this earth just to get, oh, they're going to be given to me because I'm not here of my own authority. I'm not here of my own commission. The way Jesus gives an illustration of that, he said, what man goes to war? And then, and then he's the one having to pay for his own battle is the way it would be rendered. No, no, no. The one who is sending him to war is going to give him the food, is going to give him the supplies, is going to give him the armor and the weapons. But he still 
has to be a good soldier. He still has to stand ye therefore. Now what I'm speaking to you today on is seeking the kingdom. Seeking the kingdom. Now the whole verse says seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And I'm telling you there is a revelation in the body of Christ right now about seeking the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I know ministers right now who at one time almost taught against the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The, the way that they taught it was that, yeah, Jesus died for this much of your sins, for this much of your salvation, but now you've, got to, you've still got to do some stuff. That's the way they used to teach it. But now I've heard some of these men in recent times teaching, hey, wait a minute. He's given us everything that now we can rest in the assurance of who Jesus Christ is and what his blood has purchased. There is a revelation of the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus sweeping the body of Christ right now. Amen. To where people are coming to this, waking up to this. Wait a minute. I don't have to strive to make myself Look good before God. I can't earn my salvation, but right now I have to be able to enter into his rest. But now, the first portion of that, seek ye first the kingdom of God. You see, there's this balance there between me resting in the finished work of Christ and me laying hold on the salvation there's this balance there between me resting in what he's provided in his death, burial, and resurrection, and in me girding myself like a man, me quitting myself, me standing up, and having done all to stand, stand therefore. You see, there's this balance there. And oh man, I, I felt myself run on one side with the, with the, um, the neglect of the rest. Oh man, I was 100%. No, I'm going, to, I'm going to bind the enemy. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to push down the strongholds. And, I was, and I, would, I was not walking in and sitting back and receiving the peace of God. And, and it hurts. It gets you in a place to where you're, you're, almost, you're almost spinning your wheels. Because there is that point, there is that, that place there. And if you'll come back next week, I'll tell you how to find it. No, no, so. No, that's where the seeking comes. That's where the seeking, we're seeking that balance place. We're seeking that balance of how do I know? Is this a time to drink water? How do I know? Is this a time for me to stand and bind the enemy? Or is this a time for me to sit back and relax, understanding who I am in Christ. And you see, and that only comes through me pushing my agenda aside, me pushing all the programs of the world aside, and me seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. See, that, that comes into our lives as we sit back and as we begin to rest in the things of God. But, but there's this seeking. Not, not seeking as I'm working for something. That's not what he's talking about. Because the way he says that, I'm going to read the rest of the Passion and then go into the New Living. 
Verse 33, so above all, constantly seek God's kingdom and his righteousness. Then all of these less important things will be given to you abundantly. The same portion in the new living, Matthew 6, 31 through 33. So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat and what will we drink and what will we wear? Listen at this phrase. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. How dare I let them dominate my thoughts? Because I'm not a what? I'm not an unbeliever. You see, there's this, this peculiar relationship with, with unbelief that people are entertaining now. Church people. Christian people, they, they'll invent doctrines that make it okay for me to be in unbelief. Unbelief is really a union with an unclean spirit. I'm receiving his word. I'm receiving his word over the word of God. I'm receiving this voice of another over the voice of promise. And it's not okay. It's never okay. It's not meant to condemn, but it's meant to say, I can't sit back and tolerate it. I cannot sit back and tolerate. Well, I know the Bible says that, but I've always thought, and you know, and then what people do is we base doctrines, we base understandings off of what I didn't see done in my life. I know the Bible says that, but I prayed for years about this and this happened. I know the Bible says that, but Sister So-and-so is a woman of God, and she had this happen to her. And people end up basing doctrines off of that and not off the word of God, and it's wrong. It's wrong every time. He says, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all you need, all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. How many of you believe that? Oh yeah, I believe that. And, and I know that I need to believe it more than I do now. I'm not saying I've arrived there, but, but I'm coming more to the place in seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I'm understanding the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus Understanding that more and more to the point to where it, it makes it easier to know, wait a minute, when do I need to stand in my kingdom authority? When, when, when is the proper place and the proper time to where I'm going to stand up and speak out the things of God? Because how long has the church been silenced on righteousness? How long has the church allowed itself to be shut up in a building while the world steals, kills, and destroys everything they love. You see, we're in this world. No, we're not of this world, but you're in this world for a reason. So it's like a woman took some yeast and, and placed it in three measures of flour. And what did it do? It made the whole thing rise up. The, the kingdom of God is like, like a man who had a, a garden and he, and he took this very small seed 
and he planted it in there and it grew up and it became a great tree to where even the birds of the air found shelter in it. You see, I, you've got the kingdom of God inside of you, but you can't allow it to stay there. And understanding that, understanding I have to be a Christian, not just in this building, but out there in the world. Because you are the element of change. You see, and, and I know this might shock some of you, but the second coming, the coming of the Lord is not the hope of the world. The, the second coming of Christ is game over for the world. The second coming of Christ, he says when he returns, he'll have a sword coming out of his mouth, devouring and destroying all of his enemies. What is the hope of the world right now? The power of the gospel. That's what the hope of the world is. You and I carrying the gospel of salvation in the name of Jesus Christ. You see, but, but having understanding of what that looks like. Because our country was founded on Christian principles. And now we see that because the church has pulled its hands out of government, has pulled its hands out of the secular society, and now the devil is stealing, killing, and destroying, but it's not staying out there. It's coming into your homes, and you're sending your children to them to be taught, and then wondering, well, I don't understand. The one philosopher said, if you send your children to Rome to be trained, or send your children to Caesar to be trained, how dare you be angry when they become a Roman? They're being trained by the world and taught by the world, and then they're living like the world and acting like the world. And it's not the world's fault. Who did he leave in charge? Who did he give his name? Who did he give his blood? Who did he give the authority to, to stand in this world and shine like lights before men? It's us. And so many times the guard has been let down. We're in this country where it was based on Christian principles, but now the Christians are pulling their hands out. Uh, um, Christian historian, historian um, Barton, David Barton, he had quoted about how that he was in the Ukraine and speaking with the church there. And he was talking about how, how many just powerful Christians who worship God, who flowed in the gifts of the Spirit were there. And he said he had this council where he got to meet with a lot of the leaders. And he said there's so many good, strong Christians here. How did your government become so wicked? I know some of you already heard this, but they, they replied back to him, it was the American missionaries. They told us to get out of government and get out of politics, and we gave it over to Satan. That's wicked, guys. That, that is wicked. And, and if the church will not be salt and light in this generation, this generation will not receive salt and light. If the church will not speak the truth, this generation will not hear the truth. We've been given so many good things. And I, and I, can, I can feel it. I can see this great awakening sweeping America right now. And I want to be part of it. I want to be part of it. R right now, as we're, we're entering into the Christmas holiday, 
And right now, you've got such a great opportunity to, to share Jesus Christ with so many people. And even that now, for all the debates about people pulling down the manger scenes and people tearing down anything that has Christ in it. How? How are they doing these things? In the portion I started off reading to you in Colossians, Colossians chapter 1, where he said, speaking of God, has already delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. In verse 18 of that same verse, and he is the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning, firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. Verse 20, and having made peace, through the blood of his cross. And around this time, there's always people who, who bring up, well, Jesus wasn't born on December 25th. Like, okay, I don't know. And people, and people point to different things. Well, the, the shepherds wouldn't be in the field at that time because it was wintertime. Okay. Doesn't matter. The Bible doesn't specify. I'm just excited that people are, are praising God at any time of year. People want to bring up uh, Emperor Constantine, and, and he was the one who, who brought this paganism in. And you've got to be careful talking about him, because you've got some people who he is the devil incarnate, who brought paganism into the church. You've got other people who he needs to be the, the third person in the Trinity. Oh, no, he was a man. He was just a man. But... As I pointed out, that scripture where, where the, the kingdom of God that's in you is supposed to be like a woman who, who hid yeast inside of this flower and it caused it all to rise up. Supposed to be like salt, that agent that keeps from decaying. Supposed to be like light, keeps you from tripping and stumbling because now there's light in the room. That's you. I want to, I sent this short video about, don't worry, I'm not going to preach about Constantine, but I want to use that as an illustration in regards to what we're talking about today, seeking the kingdom. Can you play that for me, brother? A man of contrasts, his embrace of Christianity was nonetheless a decisive act, perhaps unparalleled in its importance to Western history. Constantine was born in a Roman Empire that was in crisis. Civil wars, diseases, and invasions were rendering the empire overstretched and vulnerable. When he was born in 280 AD, Emperor Diocletian had split the empire into four quarters, ruled in a tetrarchy of four different rulers, hoping that this would help bring order. Constantine's father, Constantius I, was one of these rulers. In 305, Constantius was proclaimed emperor of the western half of the empire while Diocletian took the eastern half for himself. As a child, Constantine was sent to Nicodemia, modern-day Izmit, Turkey, grew up in the eastern half of the empire, and was raised at the court of Diocletian. During this time, Constantine witnessed Diocletian's ruthless and fierce persecution of Christians, which may have molded his later approach. Amid the complicated tussle for power, Constantine was proclaimed emperor after his father's death in 306 in York, Britain. A capable and flamboyant soldier, Constantine set about consolidating his power base in Gaul before setting his sights on broader glory. 
His first obstacle was a rival for the title of Western Emperor, his brother-in-law Maxentius, whom he defeated at the Battle of Milvian Bridge in 312. Not only was this a tremendous political victory for Constantine, but it also proved to be revelationary for another significant reason. Before the battle, Constantine is said to have had a vision or dream wherein Jesus promised he would protect his armies through the vision of the cross accompanied by the words, by this sign you will conquer. Following the vision, Constantine ordered that a cross, the Christian symbol, be painted on all of his soldiers' shields. There are various versions of this legend with slightly different variations depending on sources. Regardless of his conversion circumstances, under this Christian emblem, Constantine emerged victoriously, attributing the victory to the Christian faith. It should also be noted that in the classical Greek and Roman tradition, many rulers expected political and military success to derive from religious piety. This weakens any claim that Constantine's conversion was nothing more than a politically motivated calculation. In 313, Constantine, now a Western emperor, met with his Eastern counterpart, Licinius. Together, they agreed to the Edict of Milan, a groundbreaking proclamation for freedom of worship to all people. This proclamation effectively legalized Christianity as a religion, allowing Christians to organize their worship as they saw fit. The edict also returned all property confiscated during the recent persecutions, a sign of things to come. Yeah. So, when we look at that story, when we look at that illustration, the things that we know for a fact, this man had some kind of encounter with God, to where he had no political gain because the only thing about Christians they known at that time was these are the people that we feed to lions for entertainment. There wasn't political power to be gained through the church. He had some kind of encounter with Jesus Christ. And then he began calling himself a Christian. Now, now put yourself in this. You say, well, he did stuff wrong and, and he made up holidays or he did it. Think about it. You put yourself in this position. In modern times even, you're, you're in a position of power. You're the only one there who knows Jesus Christ. Every, all of your advisors are pagans. All of the people around you are pagans. The whole institution that you're uh, under, that you're over, is pagan. And now you've had a revelation of Jesus Christ. What do you do now? We know some of the things he did, he stopped them from killing them. He did that. He was one of the first people to bring in and have what we call freedom of worship. After he spoke with the church leaders, because he was wanting to make, he was wanting to uh, force Christianity on everyone. Which is what any other religion in the world would have done. But they told him, no, no, Christianity can't be forced by sword. It has to be received so he just made open religion for all. Now, whenever we think about this and you put yourself in these situations, just a little bit that if somebody was to write my story, if somebody was to write your story, knowing what you know now and going back through your life with where you were when you first believed and how much you've grown until now, man, how bad would they paint you? When it comes down to seeking the kingdom of God, where are you now? Where were you when God called you? 
Where were you whenever you had a revelation that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? Where were you whenever you had that revelation of who Jesus Christ is? Did you keep it to yourself? Did you hide that inside and say, well, I can't tell anybody. Hey, what, what if he would have done that? I'm just going to be a Christian, but because it's not popular, I'm going to keep it to myself. I'm just going to keep letting them die. No, as we look out at this world today, the church is not the problem. Jesus is not the problem. We're living in a fallen world that's in rebellion against God. And, and you and I get the privilege of being here and having a small part to play in shining like lights before men. You, you and I get to do that. And, and, and we end up, as I, in my travels and talk with people, I see people, they focus on the bad in the world to the point to where they get this almost depressed feeling like they'll talk about how bad things are and I just don't know and how bad it is and, and things are getting so wicked. But you're here. You're here. And, and even if I, if I preach and I teach and I share Jesus Christ with a thousand people, I'm doing my part. I'm not the Savior. I'm doing my part. I'm not the healer. I'm not the deliverer, but I'm here presenting it. I'm here presenting it. And those who receive it, oh, God, I get, I get to be in this world right now and shine like a light for you. And if I look back on my life and I say, well, man, I've, I've tried to do so much. And, and I've tried to love people in a godly way. And I've tried to live, my, but my light's just not shining. Guess what? It's getting darker. If you just hold out a few more minutes, your light will start shining. I would say, what I used to say, well, you need to go where it's darker. No, the darkness is coming. Unless we start shining brighter now. The, the whole mentality of of the mindset that, well, it's just going to get dark because God says it's going to get dark. And you know, the Bible says things are going to get bad. It doesn't have to be on your watch. It doesn't have to be while you're here. We, we can look at this and, and, and you look back, what if you lived in the time of Hitler? Oh my goodness, you look at his life and there was, I mean, you could have just went by a checklist of the Antichrist. Yep, oh, that's him. Whoop, that's him. It's Antichrist. Right? And it was the same spirit. The same spirit of Antichrist is in the world today. Paul pointed out all the way back at his day that the spirit of Antichrist was there. And he's forever trying to gain a foothold. Forever trying to go, but what? But there's people in the earth who are still seeking first the kingdom of God. And not allowing his kingdom to take over. There's people in the earth who are still resting in the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. And then standing in the authority of the believer and taking back ground from the enemy. You're still here. Amen. You're still here. And we get it as we supposed to, we're supposed to see it as a privilege. Think about it when there were the disciples were brought in because the man was healed and they forbade them to preach in the name of Jesus again and whip their backs and let them go. And what did they do? They went rejoicing that they were found worthy to be lashed, to be beaten in the name of Jesus. Man, 
That is a different attitude, a different mindset. Because they've understood the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and now they're seeking a different kingdom. Now they're seeking a different kingdom. Whenever Jesus is speaking in Luke chapter 17, this, this is the account whenever the Pharisees asked Jesus because he talked so much about the kingdom, so much about the kingdom. They said, when's it coming? When's the kingdom coming, Jesus? And I'll read it first in the, the New Century Version. Luke chapter 17, verse 20 and 21. Some of the Pharisees asked Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? And Jesus answered, God's kingdom is coming, but not in a way where you'll be able to see it with your eyes. People will not say, look, here it is, or there it is, because God's kingdom is within you. Because God's kingdom is within you. The NIV renders it this way. Once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. Nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Now think about this. Whenever you, as a child of God, come to the understanding the kingdom of God is within me, and now you, as a child of God, are standing in the midst of unbelievers, you get to look at them and say the kingdom of God is in your midst. Now you get to look at them and say the kingdom of God is at hand's reach. The kingdom of God is available to you. The kingdom of God is available. The way that Paul rendered that in Romans chapter 10 where he said, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how will they call upon him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear unless the preacher preaches? And how will the preacher preach unless he be sent? You've been sent. You say, well, I'm not a platform person, brother. I'm not going to stand up there and talk funny like you. That's okay. Because there are people who will listen to you who will never listen to me. There are people who will hear you, who they have some kind of relationship with you. They've seen your life. They've, maybe they've seen you before and after Christ. And now you've got their ear. Now you've got their ear. And I recalled for years how that I had the mentality was, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to beg this person. I'm going to use mental gymnastics. I'm going to convince them. I'm going to take them through the Romans road. Pray this prayer after me. And man, I could do it. And I could get a lot of people praying. But, but I found out that a lot of times it was fruitless. I would convince this person to pray this prayer so you don't go to hell. And their lives would never be changed. I would convince this person. I would use mental manipulation. I would use whatever I had available to convince them. Just pray with me. And most of the time, I'll pray with you if you will be quiet. That's probably what it normally was. But their lives weren't being changed. But then after I, I started receiving the revelation of the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and seeking first 
his kingdom priority one, seeking first his kingdom above everything else. I was able to come to them and be led by the kingdom principles, led by who God is, who Jesus Christ is. Christ is king. I would be able to be led by the principles of the kingdom of God and look at this person who is broken in their sins and see the need and say, Jesus is the answer. You be healed in the name of Jesus. I don't have to convince them anything. Jesus is the answer. Call on the name of the Lord and be saved. Jesus is the answer. Whoa. And then I started seeing people healed, people set free, lives being changed. Because it wasn't about my ability to convince them or persuade them or use witty arguments. It was by the foolishness of preaching the cross, really. It was by the foolishness of preaching that God has ordained to save the lost. And then I could do like, I finally kind of started understanding what Paul was saying when I came to you, my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but it was a demonstration of the Holy Spirit and power. It was that demonstration of it. What is it when you meet those people and you have this understanding of the kingdom of God is within me? You have this understanding is I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And now you come up to them and you say, I see you have a need. I have the answer. Jesus Christ is the answer. You see, that, that's that paradox point to where I'm seeking the kingdom I'm seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And whenever I find it and then I freely hand it off to somebody else, what do they start doing? They start seeking it now. They start striving for Christ's likeness. They start desiring to be more like Jesus Christ than they were when you met them. They start turning from everything, laying aside every weight and every sin that so easily besets us. They start setting everything aside and running the race like one who wants to win without mental manipulation. Effortless. They start growing in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ without me condemning them. I'm telling you, this is, this is revelation. This is bigger. This is bigger than I make it sound like. This is so big to whenever, whenever a man or a woman starts grabbing hold of this and it starts changing them. The way the Apostle Paul said it was, I count not myself as one who has apprehended. That means take hold of. I count not myself as one who has apprehended. But, but I am striving after, chasing after, to take hold of what has taken hold of me. Amen. And you see, and it's in that seeking, in that desiring the kingdom of God to be first place in every aspect of my life, then every aspect of my life starts being magnified, I mean, starts being glorified for the Father. Every aspect of my life. <clears throat> seeking the kingdom. I want to ask you to stand with me, if you will.
That balance of the authority and resting. That balance of the authority of the believer standing in faith, declaring the promises of God, and then the other side of that is just resting in who you are in Christ, resting in the finished work of Christ. In reality, that's the biggest part of seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness is finding that place. Now, I know when you're talking about the kingdom, when you're talking about the things of God, it's so big that it's hard to zero in on this one portion, especially in a short message like this. But that's what I want to give to you today. Having that understanding of that balance, seeking the kingdom of God, desiring the kingdom of God in my life to the point to where I'm not satisfied just sitting back and letting the devil steal, kill, and destroy. But I don't have this anxiety and I don't have this turmoil in my heart. Something's wrong, something's wrong. That, that balance of I know who I am in Christ. I know that, that because I have given to him who I am. I have given to him what I am. I have given to him my all in all. Now he's able to keep it. He's able to take care of it. He's able to keep me against that day. I have that understanding. But then there's also that understanding that I've got a job to do. There's also that understanding that why am I still here? Why am I still bumping around in this world as if it's all about me? And I just got to get my needs met. And I just got to do what I need to do. And, and I've got to make a living. And I've got to do this. There's another kingdom. There's another kingdom. And having that understanding, seeking the kingdom, finding that balance of who I am in Christ, resting in that peace, having that joy that is unspeakable, having that, that joy that exudes out of me, but then standing ready like a good soldier for Christ, not allowing the enemy to come in and steal, kill, and destroy, having that presence of mind to walk out this faith life, seeking the kingdom. Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The other things, they'll be added to you. Don't let ourselves, we cannot let ourselves be entangled in the affairs of this life. Because we have to please the general that sent us in the combat. And that's Jesus Christ. It's his mission. It's his goal. It's his job. And he's allowing us to have a part to play. See it as a privilege. Amen. Now I want to ask you to pray into this with me right now. Pray that that each and every one of us would have a greater understanding of the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and have a greater understanding of our role in the kingdom. Seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Pray into that with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord. Lord, we stand in faith, ready to give you all the praise and all the glory. But Father, help us to have a greater understanding and revelation of who we are in Jesus Christ.
Help us to have a greater revelation of our role in your kingdom. That we would be able to live our lives in this world in such a way to where the unbelievers would see our good works and then give you glory in heaven, Father. Help us to live our lives in such a way to where we're not ashamed of the cross, to where not, we're not ashamed of the gospel, to where we have this realization and this understanding that the only hope that this man has, the only hope that this woman has is the hope of the gospel. That we would not back down, that we would not relent, but we would have your life and your love flow out of us in a way to where the, they receive it. To where they receive it and you get all the glory for it, Father. Lord, we thank you and magnify you. For it's in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Brother Kevin's here. Thank you, Brother Robbie. Amen. Is the season, amen. So I'd like to leave you uh, with this message. James, if you'd uh, go ahead and put the benediction up on the screen for me, please. Pardon me. That's how we check around here, it's very sophisticated. So today's benediction comes from the book of Exodus. We all may be familiar with it. Oh, I'm sorry, number 622. They're close. They're like in the front. In case you don't know, they're kind of... Then the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. And at the end of this song, you are dismissed. Go in peace and may God love you always.